Well, in spite of what you may have heard, Israel's founding is legally sound, and it was done with the support of the United Nations and the major international players. So if you want the facts, stay tuned. Welcome to the Israel Answers series, connecting Israel, the Bible, and you. Join Susan Michael as she explores timely issues and current events from a scriptural perspective to equip the Christian world with a balanced and biblical response. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes, which will ignite your faith and bring the Bible to life in your everyday world. Now, let's join Susan with your Israel Answers. Well, the enemies of Israel try to convince the world that Israel was founded illegally, that it was a colonialist enterprise whereby foreigners came in, took over land, and forced a state. The truth is, Israel's founding has a firm basis in international law, and it's the same legal process behind every other country's founding in the Middle East. So if you want to question Israel's legality, you need to question countries like Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Kuwait, etc., etc. So I want to tell you, what was that legal process? First, I want to establish that Jews have maintained a continuous presence in the Holy Land since for over 3,500 years or 3,000 years. Jerusalem has been the Jewish people's capital for more than three millennia. The city is mentioned over 700 times in the Hebrew Bible, and for more than a hundred generations of dispersed Jews over the last exile, prayed three times a day to return to Jerusalem. So the Jews' historic connection to the city of Jerusalem and the, the Holy Land are actually, it's confirmed in both the Christian scriptures and the Muslim scriptures. However, under Roman rule, the entire city of Jerusalem and the Jewish temple were destroyed. Many Jews were killed, others were fled for their lives, and some were actually forced into exile. This was the beginning of the exile from the land of Israel that lasted over 1900 years. But Jews remained and had a presence there, even though the majority of their community lived throughout the nations. So the city of Jerusalem was rebuilt by the Romans and named Aelio Capitolina. It was built to be a pagan city, and the land of Israel, which had been known as Judea under the Roman Empire, was renamed Palestina. This was a very deliberate attempt to remove all Jewish connection to the land uh, in punishment for the Jews' revolt against the Roman rule. So um, the goal was removing all connections with the Jewish people. For the next 500 years, uh, the land of Israel named Palestina was a part of the Roman Empire, which eventually became Christian. But in the seventh century, the Islamic forces invaded and took over the territory. And for the next 1300 years, the land of Israel was in the very center of massive, huge Islamic empires. Successive empires ruled all the way from India in the east to Spain in the west. 
And here in the very center was this little bitty piece of land that actually none of those empires even cared about. So the last great Islamic empire is the Ottoman Empire, and they reigned that area from 1517 until 1917. It was under the Ottoman Empire in the 1800s that the famous travel writer Mark Twain went to the Holy Land, and he um, documented in his book, The Innocents Abroad, the total barren and desolation of the land. He said, Palestine sits in sackcloth and ashes. It's a barren, desolate land. He noted it was lacking a population. They could travel for almost days and only see maybe 10 people. It was neglected. It was barren and all due to Ottoman taxation and Ottoman neglect. So in World War I, all of this changed. The Ottoman Empire sided with the Germans against the Allies and lost. You might remember the movie Lawrence of Arabia, which highlighted uh, or portrayed how that the Arabs of Arabia helped the British to defeat the Ottomans in the Middle East. So because they assisted the British troops and brought about this uh, victory for the Allies, uh, the Brits owed some gifts, some gratitude to the Arabs of Arabia. So the Ottoman Empire was divided up by the British and the French and somewhat with the Italians and somewhat with the involvement of the Russians. And borders were drawn throughout the Middle East, breaking it up into smaller modern nation states. And the British moved in and took over areas. The French took areas. The Italians took areas. And the goal was to set those areas up for self-rule. But this has been a source of many problems in the Middle East because of the way they arbitrarily just drew borders on maps and didn't take into consideration the local people living in the territories. They also had to give some territories to the Hashemite family in Arabia as playback. We'll get to that in a minute. Now, the British were given mandate over the area that included Palestine. So in 1917, it was the British government had what's called the Balfour Declaration in which they set forward their goal was to establish a Jewish homeland in Palestine. That uh, Balfour Declaration became ratified in 1920 at the San Remo Conference and became legally binding. It was a part of the British mandate for the area of Palestine. And in 1922, then, the, man, the uh, mandate, including the Balfour Declaration, was formalized, uh, formally voted upon by 52 nations in the brand new body called the League of Nations. So this setting aside of Palestine for a Jewish homeland was even approved by the premier Arab leader of the day, Emir Faisal. And he said he knew that the Zionists would actually bring prosperity uh, to the Middle East, but he asked for something in return. And that was that he would be given Syria as a state. And the Syria was under the French control. The French did not um, 
allow this. And so in the end, Emir Faisal turned against the Zionist enterprise. But it, at the beginning, he applauded it and had been in favor of it. So now in 1922, the British then, they've now got Palestine under their mandate. It's all approved by the international bodies. And they go and they cut off 78% of the land and give it to the Arabs. They set it up as what was called the Transjordan. And uh, Faisal's brother, Abdullah, was moved from Arabia uh, to be king over Transjordan. The Hashemite family of Abdullah still rules in Jordan today. The brother Faisal ended up being given Iraq, and he served as king of Iraq. Now, whereas Transjordan was given to the Arabs, it was set up to be a Jew-free state. It was an Arab state. No Jews were going to live there. But the problem is that in the remaining 22% of Palestine, it was now going to be for Jewish sovereignty. There were both Jews and Arabs living there, and tensions began to develop. And then we have the very sad story of how the British actually betrayed their commitment to the Jews. They'd already betrayed it in a way by giving 78% of the land away, but now they actually limited Jewish immigration into the area while they allowed Arab immigration. And it all came to a terrible head in 1947 when a shipload of Jewish refugees fleeing Europe and uh, had survived the death camps of Europe, making their way to the their land, to the land of Israel, then Palestine, the British fired on that ship. And that is when the whole case got turned over to the brand new international body now called the United Nations. The United Nations saw that this was a bad situation. And so they voted for a, part a partition of the remaining land that part of it would be for a Jewish state, part for another Arab state. The Jews accepted the plan. The Arabs rejected the plan. But in 1948, then, the Jewish state was declared. The Arabs just declared war on the Jewish state. But then in 1949, Israel was admitted into the United Nations with a majority vote. So these are the steps. This is the legal process going from the defeat of the Ottoman Empire in 1917, the dividing up of the Middle East, the mandates given to the British and the French and the Italians, and then how eventually the United Nations had to step in. They said, we uh, are in favor of Jewish state on this part of the land. And so the Jews declared a state. Now, what I want you to understand is that this whole process wasn't just about the Jewish state. It was about the entire Middle East. So the Ottoman Empire was divided up amongst the British, the French, and the Italians to set the whole area up into small modern nation states, that there would no longer and ever be another global Islamic empire like there had been. And so they drew lines on the map and they decided on all kinds of states, not just Israel, not just Transjordan, Syria, Lebanon, Turkey, Iraq, Kuwait, Oman, Saudi Arabia, 
Egypt, Sudan, all these states were drawn on these maps and were eventually set up for self-rule. So every country existing in the Middle East today was founded since 1920 according to the same legal process. Therefore, in short, if anyone wants to question Israel's legality and her founding being legal or, or not, they've got to question the founding of every other state in the Middle East. So you can boldly support Israel whose founding was completely legal and formulated by the community of nations and ratified by the United Nations, okay? Hope you enjoyed that little lesson in history, but it's a really important one. Next week, we're gonna talk about some biblical reasons for your support of Israel. Well, hey, give me one more minute. I have two very special offers for you. First is, all you ladies out there, we have scheduled a women's tour to Israel this November, November 2nd through the 12th. I invite you to go with me to the land of the Bible. Let's walk the land. Let's talk the Bible. Let's have our faith restored and ignited and strengthened for the days in which we live. To sign up, I want you to go down below into today's show notes and sign up for our tour interest list. We will send you all the information. Or if it's easier, just call our tours department line at 866-393-5890. That's 866-393-5890. I want to travel Israel with you. Now, my second offer is a free download that we have developed just for you called 10 Reasons for Christians to Support Israel. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to be talking about a lot of these reasons, but I want you to have this download so that you can be preparing yourself, that you can share it with your friends and colleagues and invite them to listen in each week as I will be going over some of these reasons and going a little bit farther into depth. So in today's show notes, we link directly to this downloadable 10 reasons why Christians should support Israel. Or you can go to the outofzionshow.com landing page, click on resources, and we should have a link there for you as well. So take advantage of this free download and I will see you back here next week, fully informed, ready to learn some more. Until then, God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.